0: friends, and welcome to Shit That Scares Me, where we talk about all the scary things in the world. I'm your host, Teresa, and today we're talking about the most terrifying Raggedy Ann doll in existence, Annabelle. Uh, she sparked an entire movie series and scared the shit out of me for decades, so let's chat about this doll. Now, uh, if you don't know who this doll is, uh, I'm going to give you some background. Uh, once upon a time, there was a paranormal investigator named Ed Warren, and he was married to a clairvoyant named Lorraine. If you've never heard of Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, you've probably not been in the paranormal space for very long. Uh, Ed died in 2006, and Lorraine died in April 2018, or I'm sorry, 2019, uh, so not that long ago. Um... But they were, like, the preeminent paranormal investigators in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Their their career spans many decades. Uh, they also are the stars of the Conjuring movie series uh, because their investigations are so fascinating. Uh, they make great horror movies. So... I've been super into creepy stuff for as long as I can remember and the warrants have always totally fascinated me. Uh, When I was about 15, 14, uh, a fairly young teenager, my dad gave me a copy of the uh, 1980 uh, book by a gentleman named Gerald Brittle uh, it's called The Demonologist, and it's, like, the story of Ed Warren, Ed and Lorraine Warren, and details some of their most famous cases, like, uh, Amityville and the one from The Conjuring 2, I forget the name of the, the, what they call the haunting, but, uh, the one of that super creepy old man. Um, But they, they, you know, go into all these cases in this book, and in the middle of this book, like there are with so many like nonfiction books, there's a section in the middle with photos, and one of the photos in this section in this book is of Annabelle, and she's really just a unassuming raggedy Ann doll. Um, she doesn't look scary. She doesn't, like, the Annabelle from the Conjuring movies is far more terrifying, but this doll always, I found her so creepy and so unsettling, and I hated her. But I love this book. This is one of my all time favorite books. And my dad, uh, when he gave me this book, he told me, um, you know, this stuff is real, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know that I believe that, but, uh, I had it for ages, probably nearly 20 years um, until I moved to Albany and something happened to it. It completely disappeared uh, and I I haven't been able to find it. So I bought a new copy uh, and I've been reading it and that's what reminded me of this story. So the story of Annabelle goes that in 1970, a student nurse, uh, they call her Donna in the book, Uh, in The Demonologist, but I've seen her referred to as Deirdre in other places. I trust Ed Warren, so her name is Donna, for this story. Um, She was given a Raggedy Ann doll uh, for her birthday. Her mother gave it to her, and her mother had purchased it at, like, a secondhand store or an antique store. And um, this seems like a weird gift to me, but I guess you know, nursing students in the 70s were more wholesome and pure, and they wanted Raggedy Ann dolls for their birthdays. And this is a gigantic doll. Like, it is a huge doll. I had one similar to this, uh, when I was growing up, and it's, like, three feet tall. So, it's a big doll. Really creepy. Um... So, Donna lived with a roommate named Angie, and Angie had a fiance named Lou, and they all hung out in this apartment together. Lou actually technically lived elsewhere, but him and Angie were engaged, and in 1970, like, it wasn't really that unusual for him to, sp- like, spend the night, and whatever. So, as soon as the doll entered the apartment, Strange things started to happen, uh, and the the two women were the first to notice it. Um, they noticed the doll would change positions. Like in uh, Donna would leave the doll on her bed in the morning with her arms down straight by her sides, and she would get home and the doll's arms would be clo- crossed or the legs would be crossed. Uh, and the doll eventually started moving rooms altogether. She would be in Donna's room uh, with the door closed when Donna left in the morning. And when Angie got back in the afternoon, uh, the doll would be on the couch. Uh, But they never actually saw it move. That's the weird thing. It just sort of happened... Uh, while they weren't around or while they were sleeping or whatever the other super weird thing that started happening is that thal would leave them notes and these notes would be written in pencil on pieces of parchment paper and they would say things like help us or find us And it wasn't in the handwriting of anybody in the house, and they didn't keep pencils or parchment in the house, so they were kind of stumped about where these notes were coming from. To me, that would be the thing that freaked me out the most, I think. Like, I can kind of rationalize away a doll moving, like, oh, maybe I just don't remember where I put it this morning, but the notes? Oh, no. The notes would be the thing. So after these notes started appearing and the doll was moving around the apartment, the women contacted a medium. And they decided to try and get in touch with whatever was moving the doll around. And the medium came in and uh, told them that a little girl named Annabelle Higgins had died on the property before their apartment was built. The medium told them that the little girl was lonely And Annabelle just wanted to stay with them because she really liked them and asked for their permission to move into the doll. As in, take over the doll, possess the doll, hell no. Uh, And in the book, uh, The Demonologist, Ed and Lorraine are having a conversation with the two women, and Lou, and going through this whole thing. And it's at this point that Ed is like, okay, let me make sure I understand. You had a seance, and whatever spirit came through told you it was a little girl, and you were totally on board with letting the little girl possess the doll. And they were like, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's totally fine. And you get the impression when reading the book that Ed was kind of like, are you fucking kidding me? But that's you know, speculation, that's not actually in the book. Um, during this interview, uh, it is disclosed that Lou never liked the doll and that the feeling was mutual. Uh, he had started having uh, some recurring nightmares, and he attributed these nightmares to the doll. And one night, he was sleeping in his own house, in his own bedroom, away from the apartment on the doll. And he dreamed that the doll was there and that, uh, he woke up and he looked down at the foot of the bed and the doll was there and the doll jumped on him, climbed up his body and started strangling him. And that was this dream. And it was like, oh, no big deal. When, when he told the women what had happened, like, oh, it was just a bad dream. no. That doll tried to murder you. Uh, the other super weird thing that started happening or that only happened once actually that they described in this book. But uh, one night Lou and Angie were sitting in the apartment and it was kind of late and they were uh, just talking about a trip that Lou was about to take. And they heard somebody in Donna's room. Donna was not home at this point, but they heard somebody in her room and it sounded like somebody had broken in. So Lou went to find out what was there and the doll was on the floor And he went to pick it up because he knew that Donna really liked the doll and would be upset if she thought that the doll was thrown on the floor. And he felt like somebody was behind him, watching him. But he turned around, and obviously nobody was there. And he turned back around to look at the doll and felt something, like a pain in his chest. And he looked down at his shirt, and his shirt was all bloody. And he had gotten scratches on his chest. Uh, and they only lasted for a couple of days and then they completely disappeared. Um, the scratches thing is something that is generally attributed to a demonic or inhuman spirit. And that's the conclusion that Ed comes to about this doll, too. So after the scratching incident, the women contact an Episcopal priest because they know him and, um, you know, they thought that, that he could help. So he came over and he did a blessing and the, uh, activity started, started to escalate after that. Uh, so the priest suggested that they get in touch with Ed. And Ed, uh, what he generally did was he came into the house. He interviewed the family. Uh, he always took Lorraine with him to see what she could feel, but, um, Ed would go into the house and and make sure that it wasn't a hoax and that the family really needed help. And in this particular case, he felt that these people really needed help. And Lorraine uh, agreed and didn't like the doll just as much as Ed didn't like the doll. Ed believed that the spirit possessing the doll is inhuman meaning it was never alive on our plane it was never a person it's not like somebody who died and and came back as a ghost it's something in totally different um this kind of spirit is most often associated with the idea of demons uh whether you're you know religious or not uh, you, you make that call but uh these are generally called demonic spirits Um, so Ed got the uh, Catholic Church involved, as he so often did. He was a very devout Catholic. And, uh, they did an exorcism of the apartment. And they also did uh, a blessing of the two women, Angie and Donna and Lou. And then Ed and Lorraine took the doll to their house. They did this with tons of haunted articles or cursed objects, um... I wouldn't do this, but, you know, I'm not a demonologist. Um, but they took it to their house, and they put it, uh, in a case with, uh, holy water and blessings and, um, uh, like, all kinds of religious stuff to keep it contained, and that's where it sits to this day. Um the Warrens in the early 50s turned part of their house into an occult museum. And uh, that's where they kept all of their their cursed, scared stuff. And uh, that's where Annabelle is. Um, sadly, the museum has closed to the public. I think it was in 2000, uh, sa- 2017 or uh, 2019 because of zoning. It's in a residential area. And the neighbors obviously don't want a bunch of, um, paranormal fans tromping through the neighborhood trying to go to the Warren's Cult Museum. But, um, they maintained the museum and would let people come in and and check stuff out for most of the last 60 years. Um, Annabelle over the years has been blamed for everything from car accidents to heart attacks. Um, people who go you know, went to the museum and talked trash to Annabelle or said, you're just a doll. You can't hurt me. Often ended up getting hurt. And whether that's coincidence or that's the doll is anyone's guess. In pop culture, um, you know, uh, there have been three Annabelle movies at this point. Um, you know, I generally like them. I don't want to spoil them for you. Um, but the the Annabelle series is is pretty good. Uh, she's also featured in the other Conjuring movies. There's a bunch of these movies in this Conjuring universe now, and she's been at least tangentially related to all of them. Now, the events that are depicted in the Annabelle movies uh, are largely fictionalized, and there's parts of the uh the second movie in particular that's just flat out just made up but you know it's Hollywood um and I'm not going to review the movies here but um a lot of it is just fake they also super increase the creepiness factor of Annabelle by making her the porcelain doll with the super sinister smile um I personally find the real Annabelle even more creepy than the movie version, even though the, the movie version is so scary. Um, but the, the real thing, I think, is scarier because she's so normal looking, but supposedly there's such evil inside of her, and that is super freaky to me. Now, if you are a lover of paranormal things, you'll no doubt know who Zach Bagans is. He's the everyone's favorite meathead and the star of ghost adventures and in 2017 prior to the official opening of his museum in Las Vegas, he invited uh, Tony Spara who is the Warren's son-in-law uh, and the current um, like handler of Annabelle. Uh, he invited Tony and Annabelle to the museum um, for an investigation and I use this term, Super loosely, because during this episode of Ghost Adventures, not much was investigated. It was like, like so many other episodes of Ghost Adventures, it was really Zach Bagans yelling at the demon inside of Annabelle, and then touching the doll, and that was like the pinnacle of this episode. And it actually flies in the face of everything that Tony Sparra uh, said to Zach. In this episode, because you're not supposed to fucking touch Annabelle. What are you, dumb? But whatever. Zach Bagans. Um, Later, Zach Bagans claimed that he regrets touching her, and that a ton of strange things have happened to him since he touched her. He is prone to exaggeration, so I don't know how true that is, but I, you know, I can't say that it's not true. Um, This past summer, in August... Uh, It was the most recent uh, Annabelle incident. Uh, Twitter was absolutely losing its collective shit due to some tweets claiming that Annabelle had escaped from the museum. Uh, Annabelle's Wikipedia page was edited to reflect her supposed escape, uh, but it all turned out to be false. Uh, Tony Sparrow's statement at the time said, Annabelle's alive. Well, I shouldn't say alive. Annabelle's here in all her infamous glory. She never left the museum. I have high tech security here. If she had left the museum, I'd instantly know if something happened or if somebody broke in, but Annabelle's here. She didn't go anywhere. And I find that so funny that he felt the need to put out this like official statement about Annabelle's whereabouts. But uh, yeah, Twitter was losing its collective shit about Annabelle escaping. Um, and, I've thought a lot about why this scares me so much over the last like two decades, two and a half decades. And it really all comes down to like, it's a fucking doll, a doll with a demon. Obviously it's fucking scary, but more than that, like, I don't necessarily know that I believe in demons or demonic possession or any of that stuff, but at the same time, I don't like to fuck with things that I can't verify, like are not going to hurt me. Um, I'm not Zach Bagans. I don't want to um, hug the doll first and ask questions later. Um, so it's better for me to assume that it's true and not fuck with it than do what he did. Uh, and also dolls in general are creepy. Um, when I was growing up, Some of my older relatives insisted on buying me porcelain dolls. And my mom put up shelves in my room so that I could display them and look at them and and sure like they're nice to look at, but only in the daytime. (laughs) At night it uh, you know, they cast weird shadows and I could almost convince myself that they were moving and they were looking at me with their glassy eyes and you know it's enough to make a kid kind of freak out i still own most of these dolls uh they're packed away in a box where they've been for a really long time um you know they're they're worth money and some of the people who bought them for me are are no longer with us so i can't bear to part with them but they don't ever come out they're not being displayed they they stay in a box under lots of other boxes so you know If they were possessed, it would be kind of difficult for them to escape. Uh, I've been uh, in places with lots of dolls, uh, and it's always creepy. Um, In the town where I grew up, there's a museum called uh, the National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York. And uh, they have an entire floor devoted to nothing but dolls. And it's dolls from... Hundreds of years ago, there's dolls in there from like the 16th and 17th and 18th century. There's ancient dolls in there. It's just all kinds of dolls and they're all fucking terrifying. Um, and I actually was reading a study on this and, uh, scientists suggest that we're vaguely creeped out by dolls just in general because of their human characteristics. We get into like, some uncanny valley territory. Uh that really unsettling feeling that we get from uh like robots and video games and things that look really human, but our brains know that they're not, so it kind of short circuits. And that's where that creepy feeling comes from. Uh, anything that's too human like, our our brain doesn't really know how to process it. Um, and like I said, that happens a lot with video games. Um, not all dolls are realistic enough to directly cause the uncanny valley thing, but we also know that dolls are supposed to represent people, so that contributes to it, too. Like, we have an expectation that, like, a doll is supposed to be representative of a human human being, Um, and it might even be creepier if it doesn't look like a human, like Raggedy Ann, with her beady stitched on eyes. No, thank you. Hard no. Um, and I found out while doing research for this episode that some societies even attribute powers to dolls. Like, uh, the Ashanti tribe in Ghana, uh, has these fertility dolls. They're like, uh, a big flat head on like a round stick body. And um, I would try to tell you what the actual name of the doll is, but I'm going to butcher it. And I have too much respect for the Ashanti people of Ghana to try and do that. But um, these are apparently really common things in other West African tribes as well. And it's sort of a totem given to pregnant women uh, who want to have a more attractive baby, which is funny. Um, but they're also given to women who are trying to conceive. So it's like a fertility slash, uh, attractiveness doll. Um, and when the dolls are not being used, uh, they are either given to the, the children who are supposed to be more attractive to play with, like after they're born, or they're, uh, treated as like sort of household totems, uh, which I thought was really interesting. Um, also in some Asian cultures, dolls are used to represent ancestors in home shrines. And, uh, these cultures attribute, like, spirits, the spirits of their ancestors, um, to these dolls. And the dolls are given the power to, like, look over the people in the house and look over, um, the, the, house structure and like, um, kind of like that, (laughs) that scene in Mulan, the animated version where all the ancestors come into life to, um, try and help Mulan. Sort of like that, but not vaguely racist and animated by Disney. And then, of course, there's the classic voodoo doll, uh, like, we all know what voodoo dolls are. They've been a part of pop culture for ages and part of our uh, American culture for centuries. Um, those dolls really have their origins in the slave quarters of Haiti and Louisiana, um, where the, like, combination of Black, like, African... Uh, indigenous people, French, Catholic, Spanish, all of these cultures sort of smashed together and created what we now think of as voodoo. And um, voodoo dolls by themselves are not supposed to have powers necessarily, but they are supposed to be representative of a particular person. Um, Without you know, sticking that doll with pins, it would just be a doll with a creepy likeness to another human being. It's really when the pins come in, that uh, things start getting, getting scary and weird and creepy. And giving this kind of power to inanimate objects uh, is what I think scares me the most. Because it's so, it's not tangible. It's not a power that you can control. It's not a power that is even really widely acknowledged. It's just like, oh yeah, this doll has power and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, and that, that is really scary to me. And that's like, the thing that I, like, I can't do anything about this fear of dolls. It's just one of those things that's going to scare the crap out of me for the rest of my life. And while I know I'm not alone here, uh, it doesn't make it any better. Um, you know, I try to avoid dolls as much as possible, but I have been surprised by them on more than one occasion, uh, and it's quite unpleasant. I remember uh, a long time ago, probably 15 years ago, I was staying in a bed and breakfast that uh when I booked it on the internet, it didn't look like anything was wrong or creepy or terrifying about this B. Um, but when I got there, it was full of fucking dolls. And not just like small ones, huge ones, mannequins, like fully dressed, fully outfitted mannequins uh, porcelain dolls, rag dolls, in every room of this house was nothing but fucking dolls. And I made the mistake of telling myself, oh, when I get up to my room, it can't possibly be this bad. I was wrong. The guest room that I stayed in was really nice, uh, but it had lots of creepy antique photos on the walls. You know, the kind with, um, like from the late 19th century where the people all have like super dead eyes just because of the way that photography was back then. So that wasn't great. And then uh, it had an adjoining bathroom, which was really nice. And then it had this like weird little alcove that was full of fucking dolls. And I walked into this little alcove and it was a stairway to nowhere and on every step was another bunch of fucking dolls. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And like, you know, later when I uh, learned about the architecture of like Victorian homes, I realized that was probably the servants' staircase. And I was likely staying in like the servants' quarters. Um... But at the time, I was like, holy shit, there is this narrow ass staircase leading to nowhere because they had like boarded it off halfway uh, down the staircase. It wasn't like a door. It wasn't used anymore. It was just like, you know, eight or nine stairs to a wall. And I was like, there's this tiny ass narrow staircase that leads to a wall full of dolls. I am in hell this is my nightmare. And the images of that in my mind are so vivid still. Oh my god, I'm creeping myself out just right now. But this is not a thing that I can ever do anything about. It's not like talking to my therapist about my fear of dolls is going to result in me being less afraid. They're just fucking creepy. So there you have it. My quick and dirty little version of the Annabelle story. Thank you so much for listening Uh, If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, subscribe, etc, etc. I'm on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, really everywhere at this point. Uh, I would appreciate it if you could leave me a review. Those are super super helpful. Uh, You can also follow me on social media. All of that info will be in the show notes along with my email address. If you have a story you want to tell me or you want to suggest a topic, or just say hi, feel free to shoot me an email. I would love to hear from you. Thank you again, and don't let shit scare you.